Welcome to Know Your Risk Radio on 97.3 Cairo FM and AM 770 KTTH. Know Your Risk Radio is hosted by Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital. Whether it's preservation of capital or an aggressive growth strategy, every investor needs a clearly defined risk profile. Know Your Risk Radio is brought to you by Bulwark Capital, helping families navigate the ever-changing and often volatile markets. Know Your Risk Radio starts now. Here's your host, Zach Abraham. And we are back. Thank you so much for joining us for yet another of the most scintillating hours in finance radio. And I give you the voice warning. I'm getting over my batch of Corona, the COVID. Um, and and they, I feel fine. No big deal. A little bit of a cough. Kids had runny noses. Wife had a cough. No big deal. Uh, <clears throat> so, I'm fine. I'm sure you guys were waiting with bated breath. Like, is, is he going to make it? I made it again. I'm a two-time winner of the, of the Corona battle. Um, but yeah, the voice still sounds a little froggy. So uh, I have not become a smoker. <laughs> just, just my latest bout with the coronavirus. Anyway, got a great show planned for you. We're getting off the interview snide. Have a great interview on deck for you with none other than Mr. Doomberg himself. Uh, we've been trying to coordinate this and get this to happen. It's been my fault that we haven't connected, and uh, he's been flexible enough and was able to switch it to today. So he and I are going to dig back into updates on the uranium markets, what he sees going on in global supply chains, energy situations, uranium, um, you know, all, all all the different topics that Doomberg's been hitting on has been all over. So it should be a really good one. Um, we've got... Tracy uh, Shukart, shy girl, I call her the queen of crude. We've had to rearrange her interview several times, most of which has been my fault as well due to my schedule complications. We've got her on next Thursday and probably dropping another interview next week because we're still playing catch up. So you won't want to miss those. But anyway, let's get into the market update. There is obviously plenty going on. Let me make sure, got to have my notes here. So first and foremost... And we're not going to go linearly through the week. We're going to start with what came out today. Right now, market's down one and a half. I think NASDAQ's down two. Um, most importantly, what's interesting to me is those technical levels that we've been talking about. You know, you guys know my opinion on this. I thought it was a fake technical breakout, but I said we can't be short above the 200-day moving average. Well, I broke my own rules. Sometimes you got to go with your gut. And we threw our shorts on uh, about a week and a half ago. And um, so far, that's proven to be the right move. Um, it's kept us a cent. Maybe we're down a little bit through this last week or so since the market's been getting hit. But not much. Um, maybe a couple percent. I, I, I always, I'm always hesitant to talk about performance on the radio because I'll inevitably get a call from a client and going, Zach, that's not where I'm at. And I'm like, okay, so... <clears throat> anyway, uh, long story short, though, those and, and this is just the game that bear markets play with you guys. Those indexes, as we sit here today, have now dipped below their 50 day moving average and are hovering just on, if not below the 200 day moving average. So uh, if you didn't notice, this is decidedly a less exuberant bullish outlook as there was just a week and a half ago, which always cracks me up. You, you ever, the market is a strange, and I get this, I get this dynamic, but if you think about it, it's odd. There's somebody on Twitter that always says, Helen Meisler, who's a super sharp lady, nothing changed sentiment like price. And if you want to make people fired up about the stock market, just run it up 15%. If you want to get them discouraged, run it down. And if you think about it, it's, it's odd, right? It is the only store in the world that buyers get less excited when prices go down. Now I get it. It means they're losing and taking losses. I just think it's, I think it's so funny how we're on the verge of a big tech breakout a week and a half ago. And maybe we still are. I could still be wrong. Right. But it's just amazing. Right. Nothing's really changed. There's no economic news that's come out in the last week. That's changed people's outlook. Right. Well, well, the inflation report today. And I'm like, well, yeah, but markets were bleeding coming into this. Right. So it's not all that. Um, just, just, Anyway, just fascinating to me. But that inflation data came out this morning significantly hotter than anybody was expecting. Again, doesn't surprise me. Why? 
What was happening in December and January? Markets began rallying and you saw a, a, a wave of buying come back into real estate. Remember how I was telling you that what we thought would happen. And again, guys, when I say this, I'm not sticking out. My, I'm not one of those. I, I don't want to be perceived. And I, I'm really not one of those guys that's going to stick out his chest and tell you about all the things I got right. Okay. So it's not why I'm saying this. What I'm saying this is in investing, we have to have a framework. And when that framework is no longer fitting what's going on, right? So if we're like, okay, we think it's going to play out like this because of these reasons. So these reasons happen, right? This thing happens. Inflation data comes in hotter, forces the Fed. And, and if we've got the right framework, Right. It's like my dad used to say as a kid, what comes next? Right. Just think down the line progressively. Right. So first you got the hotter inflation report, which means the Fed will have to hike rates and which means the rates will be higher for longer. Right. You just keep going down the row. And one of the ways that we're always checking that investment framework is, is it fitting what's actually happening? Right. It's not going to fit perfectly, but is it fitting? Is it is it is is the way we're reading through what's currently happening in the economy to what it's leading to, is that making sense? Is it, is it matching? And the reason I, I bring this up, again, is not to brag, but it's to show, hey, guys, look, this is what's happening. And I think for a variety of reasons, not because we're the one arbiter of truth or everybody else is just a bunch of idiots, but for a lot of different reasons, I think there's massive confusion out there. And I think if you just look at the simple framework that we've been laying out, what did I tell you guys about real estate? That it didn't bottom, that it still has lower to go, uh, and that you should see, especially when we get rate volatility, you should see waves of buyers come in and then probably dissipate within you know, 45 to 60 days. That's exactly what's happened. So mortgage uh, uh, applications are back down to a 40-year low or something like that, or lowest point since 1995, something like that. Um, and, and it makes sense, right? Meaning if you get a pullback in rates to 6%, that will pull some people off the sidelines. Not a lot. Just go crunch the numbers. It's still way outside the average person's ability to buy home. Right. And I don't want to get too much into this because there's other factors and we're going to talk about real estate a little bit differently in some different concepts. But, um, <clears throat> bottom line is I, I was telling you, I think the feds hiked too far already. I think they have. Um, and Unfortunately, you know, you don't want to make a call too soon, guys. But I said this last week. I I don't want to jump to conclusions because th this is such a dynamic environment and things can change so quickly. Okay. But what you're seeing right now is stagflation. And that's and I really don't hear many people talking about this. But now, because we see it happening right now doesn't mean it's going to be happening in six months. So I, you know, I'm not trying to be an alarmist here. And the reason I say alarmist guys is stagflationary environments are the worst. It, it's just the worst of both worlds, right? You've got recessionary, you got a basic, you got a recession going on, right? So higher unemployment rates, pain factors up. And at the same time, you're not getting the only benefit that comes with recessions, right? Which is, what is that benefit? Lower prices. So it's a recession with higher prices and rising prices. It's brutal. It's horrible. Right. Think of the late 70s. If you don't remember them, go talk to somebody to live through them. It's brutal. OK, now, again, I, I'm not saying that's going to be where we're at in six months. What I'm saying once again is this is another example of this market just being blind to risk. You know, am I betting on stagflation? No. But does it look like that's where we're headed at the moment? Yes. Right. The guy just hit the ball. We got to see if it's going to travel. But from where I'm sitting right now, it looks like it's out of the park. Right. Does that make sense? Like, so I'm not telling you, I, you know, I'm not a pro baseball player. I can't look at that ball in midair and tell you if it's gone for sure, but it's flirting with it. So I and, and here's this gets back to what I was saying about our outlook. What scares me about this is now I see a path for the Fed. I still think I just I still think they're just botching this. Now they're talking about another half a percent increase. And I'm just sitting there pounding the desk going, just throw 25 bips at them between meetings. That's all you got to do. I, and now I could be wrong. But what, the whole issue that the Fed has got, and we've been talking about this for a long time. The issue they have is not rates. It's credibility.
right? And they're bidding against themselves right now because everybody in the market believes rightfully so based on the last 15 years that the minute the real pain starts, they're going to pivot. So rather than focusing on the rates, the Fed should focus on not being predictable. And that would keep them because if they continue down this path, and I think they've already done it if they give it time, but this is what concerns me. If they continue down this path and inflation stays sticky like it's being right now, Right, They're going to have to continue to hike, and they're going to hike right up until the point something breaks. And that's the other thing. I see a lot of people looking at the economy right now and saying, look, at this stage, you can't be in a recession for another 12 months because this is what history said. I've said all along, until I see this proven wrong, I'm going to stick with it. You cannot look through things right now through the typical historical lens. Everything is happening faster because it's being driven by artificial forces. Right. Look at how fast rates are going up. It's unnatural. Look at how look at inflation. Right. Look at how fast earnings, you know, earnings are coming down across the board. I mean, you got you got high flying and we'll get into this later, too. But you got high flying tech companies that are showing no revenue growth. Right. NVIDIA's announcement that earnings this week were hilarious or no, they weren't hilarious. They were kind of shocking because this is one of the fastest growing tech companies out there with great tech and all this kind of stuff. They're looking like a decline in year over year revenue. And the market celebrated it. So anyway, my, my whole point is just saying I still see this market flying incredibly blind. I see, in my opinion, the Fed botching this. They still think it's the level of rates. And I'm like, that's not what's keeping inflation high. What's keeping inflation high is the market's belief that you're going to pivot and chicken out and cut rates really soon. And the reason they believe that is because you've established that reputation for 15 years. So rather than just focusing on the rates, let the market know that they can't out, they can't front run you. So anyway... Uh, like I said, NVIDIA earnings, pretty remarkable, guys. I'll talk a little bit this, about this in the next segment, too, just because, you know what, let's save it for the next segment. I'll start our next segment with this. Um, remember, what are we saying for a year? Housing prices will go down. As of today, we've lost $2.3 trillion in real estate value. Again, I don't understand the confusion here. Pretty simple. People can't afford houses, guys. Prices have to come down. And I don't care what the local real estate agent tells you, and I'm not trying to bang on. I've got a lot of great clients who are real estate agents. I'm not bagging on them, but I I just, I I still don't understand why people go smart people like Dave Ramsey, who I've got ultimate respect for. I don't understand why they think that real estate's not going to get hit. It is. Anyway, um, another one. It's fascinating, guys. Report came out today. Energy spending. So the amount of money that companies are going to spend on exploration this year is 30 to 40% below where it was in 2019, okay? We'll get more into that with our discussion with Doomberg, and I'll hit a little bit that more on the next segment. But um, that's not price fixing. It's not collusion. It's not anything else. Why are they doing that? Because they see a recession coming. (laughs) So anyway, hey, guys, that brings me to another point. As we all know, especially in this environment, market conditions are constantly changing. Right, And these advisors that are going to put you into a portfolio and tell you to ride the waves, they're not equipped to handle that level of volatility and protect your retirement portfolio. Okay, They're just not. That's not what they do. At Bulwark Cap- Capital, we're actively managing your portfolio to navigate these issues as they arise by utilizing our risk management strategies on a daily basis. Okay, Find out how we're actively managing risk by requesting our Common Sense Investing Guide. Call us now, 866-779-RISK. Again, 866-779-RISK. Or go to knowyourriskradio.com or follow me on Twitter at KYR Radio. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. Do better in bull markets. Do better in bear markets. Pay less fees in all markets. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. You can subscribe to Zach's free newsletter, The Bulwark Insider Report, at knowyourriskradio.com. We're talking to Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital and host of Know Your Risk Radio. Zach, what's the number one concern with people's investments right now? Without a doubt, it's inflation, and it's here. With all the money printing from the Fed and long period of zero interest rates, the bills come and due, and inflation's going up. And when inflation rises, bonds get smoked. We've been saying it for years. If you're using bonds in the old-school 60-40 mix with stocks as the safe portion of your portfolio, you're taking a risk in today's inflationary environment. So what should our listeners do? 
if you're worried about inflation, we believe that you should consider getting out of bonds and get educated with Bulwark's bond replacement strategy. We teach you exactly how to do it in our free booklet, Common Sense Investing. Learn how to protect your portfolio against loss, but still seek to grow your assets. Call Zach now for your free copy of Common Sense Investing, 866-779-RISK, or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client services agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And we are back. Thank you for sticking with us. And if you guys heard that, I, quick side note here. Again, not just trying to gin up business, but there's one of the things, I mean, not the people that call us, right? But just talking to investors, there is this odd sense of calm, like now is the time to buy or that the time has passed or what we're seeing is deer stuck in headlights. Guys, first of all, you still have a market trading at 22 times earnings. We have not seen a blowout in spreads, meaning we have not seen a big appreciation in treasuries and a big depreciation in corporate and high yield debt yet. You are not through the worst of this, okay? And the thing that scares me, guys, is if this is an inflationary setup, just go look at the stock market from 1966 to 1981. The vast majority of you are sitting there with the deers in the headlight looks right now and not knowing who to listen to or what to listen to. Well, I think that we've established a pretty good track record on this radio, right? In 2019, we told you to get out of Boeing when it was at 440 a share. It's at 200 today, okay? We told you going into 2022, get out of tech into energy. That trade has crushed, okay? We were talking about oil. We were saying, I mean, you know, again, not right about everything. And we'll get into this a little bit in our next segment because in the, in, the, in the segment where I talk about market timing, nobody's right about everything. But there's so much of, there's this idea in finance, well, that you never know what's going to happen. You just got to stick in market. Most of the time that's true, but there's also these obvious times where these things are happening and these investors walk right into the buzzsaw like they, like they don't have eyes. And, and if that's the approach your advisor is taking, why are you paying them? There is a better way. You can have a call with the people managing your money and they go, Zach, look what's going on in the economy. What are we going to do? Well, funny you ask, Alan, we've already done it. And that's why the market's down 20%. We're only down five. We've actually had a couple good days, though, and we actually think we could finish the year pretty good, right? Isn't that the conversation you want to have? Doesn't that justify a fee? I mean, you guys are all just paying to be on a ride that you can ride for yourself. And most importantly, you're doing it with no seatbelts on going into a massive storm. The worst of this is not over. This market right now is more expensive than it was through 2010 all the way up to COVID. And it was one of the most overpriced markets in history at that point. So the, 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 the calmness out there, the feeling that we made it through the great market crash of 2022, guys, wake up. You haven't seen nothing yet. And if I'm wrong, right, here's the flip side. If I'm wrong, we make money. We still go up. That's another one. The, because of these rate increases, these fixed indexed annuities that we use as part of our bond replacement strategy, which have done <laughs> – what, what over the last 10 years on average, they've beaten bonds by 45 to 5% a year. Okay? But with the interest rates going up, the amount of juice they've given on these things has tripled in the last 18 months. So where we'd pick an index strategy and we might get – so if that index went up 10%, we might get eight, right? So we had an 80% participation rate. Well, with the jump in interest rates, we've got these contracts that are now paying 200, 240%. And that rate's locked in. There's some of these products right now where we're looking at them going, you know, I've always talked five to six. When you look at the participation rates in some of these things, they're going to make seven to eight. Even though they're insured against loss, even though they're insured against loss, cannot lose and have no fee. Anyway, I, guys, there's just so many different things that we can do with you that can help you sleep at night. Know for a fact you're not going to get blown up and also improve your performance. So anyway, I, I sorry, I'll get off my soapbox. I just I had to hit that up anyway. OK, so I said I want to talk about the NVIDIA earnings. And the reason I want to talk about it is, is just because it's intriguing. I've just I've never seen something like it. So, 
NVIDIA, first of all, is an incredible company. They're a great company. I think they've got excellent management. Jensen Huang is their CEO, and he's, uh, he's been lights out. Okay, they make great product. This is nothing about the company. Okay, I don't have anything this bad to say about them. But NVIDIA has been the bill of the bull. What, it, what is it? Uh, oh, yeah, the office. But Michael, uh, uh, Michael Scott, right? The bill of the bull. Uh, anyway, they've been everybody's favorite, right? From a guy that takes in a lot of retail portfolios, I can tell you that's a staple, okay? And for good reason. They've been growing their business like crazy. They got the best GPUs on the market. They, they're doing a great job. Okay, but they've always been very expensive. And what's funny is that I didn't buy them, and I'm still kicking myself for that, but I didn't buy them several times over the past decade because I just never got a decent value on it. I was always looking at it, trading it at 45 to 50 times earnings. And I should have been a little more aggressive there because with their growth and their profitability, it's not cheap, but but it wasn't a bad price. Well, you look at it today. Now, here's here's the crazy thing. Their revenue growth rate has been slowing over the last two to three years. And this year, they're going to have a year, what, what appears to be, and they're on track to do it, a, a decline. Not serious, but just, right, everything's slowing down. A decline in year-over-year revenue for the first time in years. Um, and... As a matter of fact, the revenue number they posted for this quarter for the first time in, I I didn't check it, but I was looking, if you take the COVID anomaly out, it's like the first time you've seen a quarter over quarter drop in revenue in in years for NVIDIA. So that company that I didn't buy because it was trading at 45, 50 times earnings for a decade is now trading over a hundred on an earnings release that shows that their growth has stopped. They're now trading at 22 and a half times revenue. They're doing 29 billion in revenue a year with a $600 billion market cap. And they announced that quarter. And all they did was talk about AI, chat GPT. This is going to drive our business. Oh, by the way, our revenue is declining. And the stock went up another 14%. I I have net. I've never seen this. I've never seen where. The growth rate literally is has stalled, if not going negative, and the multiple has doubled. I, the only thing I can really compare to this in my knowledge in this business is Microsoft in 2000. It, it's got almost the exact same metrics as Microsoft in 2000. Okay, Micro, did I, I think I talked about this last week. Microsoft was doing 23 billion in revenue, Nvidia is doing 29 billion. Microsoft's market cap got up to 615 billion, Nvidia's at 600. Uh, Microsoft was trading at 90 times earnings, Nvidia's over 100 times earnings. Microsoft is was at 26 times sales, Nvidia's at 22 and a half times sales. What happened to Microsoft over the next 12 years, guys? It was flat. It was dead money for 12 years. Why? Because $600 billion companies should not be trading at 22 and a half times earnings, especially when their revenue growth rate is stalled out. Anyway, it's a mess. It's a mess. But before we go, guys, quick note here. With where the markets have been recently, the most common concern we're hearing from people that we're talking to right now, from people like you, is just the need to lower risk in their portfolio. I think a lot of what we're talking is resonating and they see this, right? Risk management is our focus at Bulwark Capital. That's what we are all about, okay? We can lower your fees, drastically reduce your risk, build you a portfolio where I can look at you and go, hey, you're not going to be ruined. You don't have enough risk on the table. You're going to be fine no matter what the economic outcome is. And by the way, there's also a lot more upside, right? Give us a call and find out how we can help lower the risk in your portfolio without with increasing upside potential, okay? By using our risk management strategy. So call us now at 866-779-RISK. Again, that's 866-779-RISK. Guys, COVID collapse. Market down 36.5. Our average client down 5.5. Last year, NASDAQ down 33. S&P down 21. Bonds down 20 to 30. Our average client portfolio down (coughs) 5.5. The previous year, market was up 20 plus. Our average client was up 16 to 17. But my whole point is this, that protection does not need to cost you. Okay, call us, 866-779-RISK and 866-779-RISK. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. 
This is Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham. Listen to Zach uncover the truth about the financial markets with simple and honest advice to help you plan for retirement. Get your free copy of Zach's new booklet, Common Sense Investing. Go to knowyourriskradio.com. We are back. Thank you so much for sticking with us. What did we go? Did I miss something? There was something. Before I move on, I want to make sure I'm not leaving anything out. $2.3 trillion lost in real estate. NVIDIA earnings. Yeah, and that, that NVIDIA earnings, it was just, uh, I'm not giving you any suggestions on what to do with that. Okay, as far as NVIDIA goes, I'm not saying you should sell it, buy it. I, I can't make recommendations without knowing what's going on. And But I will tell you this. I can no longer... I can no, I cannot deny, nor can I confirm that in my personal account, I may be purchasing puts against that company. Um, and guys, do not take that as an endorsement to do this. Okay, if you guys, I have about ninety percent of my family's money just invested in our. Um, value and momentum portfolios. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. We don't do it because we think it's good to sell. We do it because we believe in the approach. So my money's right in there with you. I also have a side account though, that I take some of my favorite positions from those portfolios and put them in, in a completely unhedged way. Cause I just don't care about the volatility. And some of you might be like, well, that's what I want to do, Zach. Um, <clears throat> just to give you an idea, uh, last year, uh, <laughs> in that personal side account, uh, at one point, I was slightly down on the year. At one point, I was up 60%. Okay, so that's the kind of volatility that I allow to swing. Why? Because I don't need the money. And and like I said, it's just a 10% cut of my overall family's money. Um, so I'm not endorsing that you do that. Okay, do not go out there and buy a bunch of puts that expire worthless and blame me. Okay, so you've been warned. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, let's get into that market timing discussion. So... New client, been with us for about a year, and was happy with the results. Um, she actually had an account somewhere else, and her money with us was down 9, 9, 9. 9.47% last year. Um, and again, clients, don't tell me, well, Zach, I was down 10.5. It, it, your allocations might be a little different, okay? So <laughs> I'm, not, you're, you're, I'm not giving those – I'm not giving her better than what you've got. Uh, an account she had somewhere else – her other account that she had somewhere else was down 23. Um, and it, that really spawned a question. She was like, well, why are you guys down so much less, Zach? And how do you know which stocks aren't going to go down? And I kind of chuckled. And I said, no, it's not about knowing which stocks aren't going to go down. If the market goes down 25 or 30%, very few stocks are going to go up. Okay, so th- that is almost impossible to do that, right? To pick stocks that don't go down in a market that is down over 20%, okay, just because babies get thrown out with the bathwater, right? And I said, no, 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 this, this is what we call our risk management strategy. This is how we hedge. And I explained to her hedges. I explained to her how we put shorts in the portfolio, which go up when the market goes down, uh, when we see storm clouds on the horizon. Another thing, guys, yes, we actively manage your portfolio. So there are analysts and traders watching over it 24 hours a day. I am watching over it with them 24 hours a day. And I can tell you the one thing that nobody's ever had to do. No client of ours has ever called and said, Zach, things are getting really dicey. I think you should de-risk. By the time they call, we already have. Why? Because we're earning our fee. We're not just telling you to ride it out. Okay, enough of that. I, I'm sorry. I just got really fired up about a couple of those conversations I had this year or this week. Um, <clears throat> so, but but I, as I was explaining her to this pro- this process to her, She said to me, okay, Zach, but isn't that called market timing? That's the one thing that I've heard we should never do. And I don't, I don't know why this happens to me, but I had never really thought about it in those terms. And, and that's why our, our clients, um, are, are such wonderful sources of show topics because it reminds me of things. They look at it from a different perspective and it, a lot of times it's aha moments for me. So let's talk about what is meant by market timing, right? What is meant by market timing is this idea that we know the market's going to go up or we know the market's going to go down. And the market going up or going down is what is influencing our decisions. We're trying to benefit from it going up or benefit from it going down. And we're playing it. Maybe you were using some technical analysis, but that's market timing. 
Okay. Hedging is not market timing. It's managing risk. And she goes, yeah, but aren't you, aren't you trying to time it? And I go, yes, but the reason I'm trying to time it is not because we arbitrarily think the market's going to go down. What, what we're looking at are underlying economic conditions. And she goes, well, if underlying economic conditions aren't favorable for stock prices, why don't we just sell them? And I go, because when we own the kind of companies that we do, which the vast majority of them, if not all of them, I'm trying to think of an except, I think we have one or two small positions that might be kind of spendy and speculative, but 95% of the stuff we have in the portfolio is dirt cheap already. And it is cash flowing like crazy. And in a time like this, we need to be thinking about businesses as opposed to stocks. Look around the world. Why would anybody buy NVIDIA at this point? Because they're not looking at the business or looking at the stock. Okay, If they were looking at the business, a company whose growth rate is stalled out is doing $29 billion a year. Would you pay $600 billion for that? No, of course not. Right? So we want to look at the businesses. And that's why we don't want to sell these things. You look at those energy companies, people are like, well, this stock could drop 20%. When these things are throwing off 30 to 40% of the free cash flow per market cap, we, I want to be cute and try to time a 20%. Why would I do that? If this was really a business, would we sell it at these values? No. We'd sit there and just keep collecting that profit. But I also don't want to see our account values get hit. So what do I do? When I see an environment where you've got record high stock valuations, you got all this insanity that's been going on, inflation starts ratcheting up and rates start going up. What do I want to do? I want to keep the businesses that I really believe in. And I don't want to be a knee-jerk investor and sell them and try to time the market, right? That's market timing. If I tried to sell those companies that we really believe in now and buy them cheaper, that's market timing. That's a non-fundamental decision, right? It's a knee-jerk decision. The other reason why I don't, don't do it is I think that you're one geopolitical headline away from oil going up 25 to $30 a barrel in a day. And I'm not saying that's going to happen for sure, but I'm saying it, when you look at the geopolitical tensions around the world – I will actually be surprised if we get through the next year, year and a half, and we don't see a day where crude is up, you know, 15% plus. I, I, I'll just be surprised if that doesn't occur. Why do I say that? Because there's virtually no new supply coming online. Inventories are so tight and there's just a lot of geopolitical tensions, right? So I just know from my experience when you try to get too cute and stuff like that, the chances are you're just going to run yourself over, right? You're going to miss the opportunity. You're going to have been long energy for a year and a half and then miss the blow off top because you got freaked out about temporary weakness. Okay. Now, as always though, I don't want to see our counts go down. So what do I do when I see these dangers? I try to put stuff in the portfolio that will, you know, keep us even, right? Maybe not perfectly even, but we'll, shock absorbers and will hold the account values much closer to even if not make a little money when markets go down. And if we're wrong, it just means we make a little less to the upside. And why do we take that approach? Well, A, the environment we're in. Meaning we manage retirement money, right? We, we cannot afford massive losses, even if they're short term, even if they're deserved. Do, do I do I think it's impossible for these energy stocks to go down 30 or 40%? No, I don't. I think it's possible for them to go down 30 to 40% and really not have anything fundamental change in the energy business. Why? Well, in a market that's going to pay 22 and a half times sales for NVIDIA, and these energy companies are already throwing off rivers of cash flow, and they're trading at four times earnings, why can't they go to two times earnings? Right. Does that mean those businesses are less valuable? No, it means they're actually more. But, you know, if they if they if their price went down, you're right. We'd want to buy more. But it doesn't mean that it wouldn't be miserable in the meantime. Right. You're, our clients aren't going to be happy being down 40 percent. They might have to cut back the amount of income they're taking out of their portfolios. We don't want to do that. We don't want to have upset retirement. So what do we do? We put insurance in the portfolio. If the worst case scenario plays out, we'll hold in there. Maybe a little loss, maybe not. If we're wrong and the market goes to the upside, we'll make a little less. But making a little less has never ruined a retirement portfolio, you guys. Catastrophic loss has. 
And like I've told you over and over, if we can avoid the catastrophic loss, the returns will take care of themselves. You know how much easier it is to generate really good returns, 12, 13, 14% a year, when you don't take a 40 to 50% hit every 8 to 10 years? Makes it a lot easier. This isn't about being afraid and hiding under the desk. This is about being smart. It's also about somebody... If you're paying somebody to manage your money and the economy were just to get wrecked, are you okay getting wrecked too? Shouldn't the fee you're paying prevent that from happening? And if it doesn't, why are you paying it? As you guys can tell, I'm fired up. So anyway, what we do is not market timing. What we do, the way I like to think about it is I think of our portfolio as a person and depending on the weather is going to define how I'm going to dress that person. And when it's 34 degrees outside and dark and thunder and pouring down rain, I'm not sending them out in the street with Bermuda shorts and a tank top, right? What am I going to do? I'm going to put a hat on, right? Maybe a little turtleneck, maybe a little puff vest, good North face jacket, umbrella, that kind of deal. Well, why should we approach our portfolios any differently? It's like one of the guests I had on the show say, and I thought he was spot on when he said this, Michael Guyed. And was he on the show or were here and I talk? I don't think I've ever had him on the show. Maybe he and I were talking on the phone. Anyway, <clears throat> and I'm not endorsing him. I, I wasn't a nice guy, very smart guy. I'm not a huge fan of the fund he runs just because it uses bonds as a safety net. And you guys know what I think about that. But anyway, his comment was, look, you, you never know. When he goes like markets are like driving on a highway. You never know when there's going to be a wreck, but he goes, when it's 70 degrees out, when it's 80 degrees outside and you're cruising along on a nice wide open highway, you might do eight, 10 miles an hour over the speed limit, right? Letting the wind blow through the, when it's dark, stormy, icy blowing, most people are going to do 10 to 15 below the speed limit, right? And the reason for that is we don't know when a crash is going to happen, but we know the environments in which they happen, right? If you study financial markets, you can always see it, right? Again, the just because the environment shows up doesn't mean there'll be a crash, but the crashes never occur unless these boxes are checked. So when those boxes get checked, play it safe. Why? Because the risk isn't the client making two or 3% less over the next year. The risk is making sure that the client's retirement isn't blown up over the next year. It's like I've said unapologetically, when it comes to investing, we have to embrace one of two risks at all times. One risk is the risk of underperformance. The other risk is the risk of catastrophic loss. When I am dealing with my clients who have trusted me with their life savings, okay, and they are within five years of retirement or retired, I make no apologies about the fact that when things get dicey, we are going to embrace, and I mean fully embrace the risk of underperformance. Why? Because it is only a matter of time until that risk management, the, the, avoiding that catastrophic loss will pay off in spades. And it was just like going into COVID. The year before COVID, we, we trailed the market by 4%. By a month and a half into the next year, we were outperforming by 20, right? That's how fast it switches. And that's why risk management is so important. That's why we've outperformed over the last four years. We haven't beaten to the upside in only one out of the three, four years, but we've solidly outperformed because we conserve capital when things are getting hit. That's what we got to do. And that's not market timing guys. And to that end, market conditions are constantly changing. We all know this. And, and this goes into what I was talking about earlier. Advisors that put you in a portfolio and tell you to ride the waves, they aren't equipped to handle the level of volatility we're seeing every day. But at Bulwark, we're going to actively manage your portfolio to navigate those issues as they arise. Anyway, we got to take a quick break. But before we do that, wanted one other note here. And, and just to underline what we're doing, right? Our philosophy at Bulwark is really simple, guys. We're always looking to lower risk, lower cost. Give our clients as much upside as pop, more upside in their retirement portfolios. And in our common sense investing guide, we'll show you exactly how we do it. So just go to knowyourriskradio.com for your free copy today or call us now at 866-779-RISK. Again, 866-779-RISK. Guys, been on the radio for nine, seven years now, eight years, pretty good body of work. There is a better way. You don't have to take this on the chin.
There's a much better way. Cheaper, more upside, way less risk. Call us, 866-779-RISK. Stick with us through the break. We'll be right back. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. This is Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham. Listen to Zach discuss key investment strategies across several asset classes, not just stocks and bonds. Get your free copy of Zach's new booklet, Common Sense Investing. Go to knowyourriskradio.com. We're talking with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital and host of Know Your Risk Radio. Zach, what's the number one concern with people's investments right now? Without a doubt, it's inflation, and it's here. With all the money printing from the Fed and long period of zero interest rates, the bills come and due, and inflation's going up. And when inflation rises, bonds get smoked. We've been saying it for years. If you're using bonds in the old school 60-40 mix with stocks as the safe portion of your portfolio, you're taking a risk in today's inflationary environment. So what should our listeners do? If you're worried about inflation, we believe that you should consider getting out of bonds and get educated with Bulwark's bond replacement strategy. We teach you exactly how to do it in our free booklet, Common Sense Investing. Learn how to protect your portfolio against loss, but still seek to grow your assets. Call Zach now for your free copy of Common Sense Investing, 866-779-RISK, or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client services agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And we are back. Thank you for sticking with us. Okay, so this next topic, last topic, uh, once again, it's a topic that has come to us. I thought it was a great idea, but just several of our clients. And I was laughing earlier. We're in port. We're in annual portfolio. Well, quarterly and annual report or uh, portfolio review time in our firm and portfolio. I remember when portfolio views took or portfolio review process for the year took about a week, week and a half. That was how many clients we had. Now uh, we're still running portfolio reviews every day, all day long, pretty much. And uh, we're pushing into March. So not, I won't, you won't hear me complain about it. Very thankful about the growth. Um, It's just, you know, you keep, you pass these milestones. We're just like, good golly. I remember when portfolio reviews, Took no time at all. But but in that process, I always get a lot of great ideas for the show and segments. And several times I've been asked, okay, Zach, how do you see this whole interest rate thing play out? And and how does it impact the economy? Like I've heard you say that, you know, I it makes sense when you say when risk-free assets like U.S. government treasuries are paying more interest, valuations on stocks need to come down. And they're like, I get all that. But they're like, how does it, why does it start a recession? What is the impact? And I, again, light bulb kind of went on. I went, you know what? That's something that we haven't really done. We haven't gone step by step. Right. So much, you listen to the financial media today. So much is just anecdotal. So much is, you know, esoteric and what I think is going to happen and da, 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 and rates and everybody knows and did it, but nobody really sits there and explains it, right? Nobody walks through what impact this has. So let's start. And I kind of think of, and, and I guess a lot of economics work like this too. But if you want to understand the impact that interest rates have on an economy, think of it in terms of like trickle down, right? And people are going to be like, well, trickle down economics didn't work and trickle economics or trickle down economics are the greatest thing because Ronald Reagan is my hero and I am not taking a shot at Ronald Reagan. Just to let you know, I grew up in a home where we referred to him as Uncle Ron. Uh, <laughs> Very, very conservative home. Um, But, but, you know, so I don't want it to get mired in that term and get lost on the whole trickle down economics. But if you think about it, the impacts that rates have, they just kind of have that cascading effect. Right. So the first things that they're going to hit are the things that are the most interest rate sensitive. Probably the most, not probably the most interest rate sensitive aspect of our economy is real estate. Corporate and residential are both highly sensitive in different ways, but we are obviously seeing that impact right now, right? So everybody knows that housing, okay? You're also seeing it in a more distressed way in commercial office space. Now, commercial office space is up against it. We've talked a lot about this on the show. They're dealing with the rate issue, but also dealing with the work from home post-COVID kind of thing too. So they're they're getting a double whammy, but that's going to be your first thing to get hit, right? And what does that do? Well, it incre- for the consumers that can purchase a home and can get financed, 
It's going to give them less disposable income because they're paying more for the house and the, and the mortgage. And oh, by the way, property taxes are going up too, right? So that is less capital that they have to spend other places in the, in the, in the deal. Then as prices come down via higher interest rates, consumer balance sheets look weaker, right? People have less equity in their home. Now that process is just starting. We're not down much overall, but boy, this market is, it, it is cold and it is getting colder fast. So then you, you, you would expect to see another section of the economy impacted by interest rates is going to be auto sales. Well, auto sales are getting hit. You still see some good numbers coming out based on, you know, back end deliveries and, you know, liquidation of, of, of inventory and, and, you know, different things like that. But when I want to look at the state of auto sales, one of the things that usually leads, right? Like auto sales can dry up really quick and, and they're in the process of doing that. I mean, they're definitely trending the wrong way if you're a bull here. Okay, but one of the easiest ways historically to look at where you're at, at least as far as the automobile sector goes, is go look at the state of automobile loans. And right now you've got more delinquency or you've got as many delinquencies on car loans as you had at the, at the height of that in the financial crisis. You're right there. So that, right. And so, so though, now just think about that. So now you've impacted real estate, you've impacted automobiles, that's hit consumer balance sheets. It's affected consumer spending, right? Now we're hitting the automobile industry, manufacturing industry, laborers, unions, all that kind of stuff. Automobile deal owners, right? Uh, uh, Mechanics at automobile, right? So it starts hitting all those things, parts, manufacturers, all these things start slowing down, right? Then Usually the next stage in this is liquidity begins to get tight. What does that mean? That if you want to get, you got to understand that a lot of these businesses have rolling debt. Okay. So let's say they got a pile of, you know, $10 billion in debt. Typically that debt is going to come due. A chunk of it will come due once every year. And it's usually companies can do it however they want. And there's a bunch of different ways to do it, but usually they stagger it out. Right. So if they got $10 billion of debt, you know, a perfect example of this would a billion dollars would be coming due every year. Well, so now that company that is slowing down, paying higher wages, revenue slowing down. Now they got to roll that debt and that billion dollars that they were paying 4% on. Now they got to refi it at six and a half to seven. Why? Because liquidity has tightened up in order for them to sell their, their debt. They got to make it more attractive, which means they got to pay a higher interest rate. Right, that higher interest rate, an additional three or four percent on a one billion dollar pile of debt, it's not a meaningless amount of money. Right? That's another thirty or forty million bucks in just in annual interest rate expense. So that got has to come out of earnings, right? So loan issuance, which again, why I was just saying leads to higher rates and lower earnings. Right? So companies start making less money. We're already starting to see that impact happening. We're having earnings rates, revenue, even the hottest growth tech stocks are stalling out. Right. Netflix growth flat last year. Revenue growth was 1% previous years, six next year. They're guiding for four. Why is this stock trading at 40 times earnings when it can't consistently produce profits? Don't know. Nvidia, same thing, right? They're ignoring all this stuff. And then as you can see, as those higher earnings and lower demand and all that kind of, or excuse me, lower earnings because of higher interest rates and lower demand and all that kind of stuff, earnings start dropping. Uh, co- corporate balance sheets get weaker, which leads to job losses, which ultimately leads to the recession. Okay. That's the cascading waterfall effect. And that's why I've said, if you are puzzled, if you, if you are troubled by what you see going on in real estate, just hold on because it's going to hit other parts of the economy. Right. And in a lot of ways, guys, this reminds me a lot of January of 2020 when we saw China getting shut down and the market just going vertical. And I, I said on the air at that time, I was like, guys, look, maybe we're wrong. I'm just telling you that these two things should not be happening at the same time. And if China's locking down 750 million people, this has got to be a serious problem. I'm saying the same thing to you now. This is a serious problem. Don't listen to Jim Cramer's of the world or CNBC's of the world that have gotten all of these things wrong. Okay? Just Here's the other thing. You don't have to figure out what's right or wrong. Manage risk, right? Be good regardless of what happens. We're in retirement for God's sake. Why are we betting the farm? You don't need to do this, right? It's a retirement is like a high wire act, right? You got to walk around with the bar in your hands. You're going around a high and doing unhedged or not managing risk is like sitting there looking at the guy going, pull that net. I got this. 
He's like, well, hold on. But if you, if you do it with the net underneath you, you realize you, it's the same accomplishment, right? Yeah, no, nah, nah, nets are for wimps. And, 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 and that may sound like a drastic example. It's not, right? Because what happens? If you fall off that high wire, you're done. You blow up your retirement and retirement, you're done. Same thing. I'm offering you a net. I'm telling you that this net is going to make you more money. I'm telling you that this net is going to cost you less. I'm offering you net. Take the net, guys. Give us a call, 866-779-RISK. Again, 866-779-RISK. Go to the radio show website, knowyourriskradio.com, bulwarkcapitalmanagement.com. We got to go, but you're not going to want to miss our interview coming up. Uh, I, I, I'm kicking off here in the next five, 10 minutes with Mr. Doomberg. You won't want to miss it. So go to Know Your Risk Radio podcast and subscribe, please, guys. Subscribe gives us better subscriber numbers, get better interviewers, better guests, all that kind of stuff. Anyway, have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. Thanks for listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital. Whether it's preservation of capital or an aggressive growth strategy, every investor needs a clearly defined risk profile. Schedule your free risk review with Zach Abraham now at knowyourriskradio.com. Zach will be back with more Know Your Risk Radio next Saturday at noon on 97.3 Cairo FM and AM 770 KTTH. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management. Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. We're talking with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital and host of Know Your Risk Radio. Zach, I know you and Bulwark are laser-focused on risk management. What is the biggest risk right now as you see it? Ironically, bonds. Really? Why? Due to all the money printing from central banks in the long period of zero interest rates, some serious inflation has hit, I'm sure you're aware. And inflation crushes bonds. We've been talking about it for seven years. If your portfolio has a significant portion of bonds, you may need a bond replacement strategy. You do need one. Get our free booklet, Common Sense Investing, to learn about Bulwark's bond replacement strategy. This shows you how to protect your retirement against loss, but still get market gains. Our goal is the highest returns with the least amount of risk and cost. Call now for your free copy of Zach's new version of Common Sense investing learn about bulwark's bond replacement strategy 866-779-RISK or go to knowyourriskradio.com investment advice cannot be given without a client services agreement bulwark capital management is an investment advisor representative of trek financial llc and sec registered investment advisor